You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Mike Chappell and Matt Adams, I'm Dave Griffiths. Glad to have you along as the Colts are in the playoffs. If the season if were to the end season today. started exactly. today, hey, but 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 that's better than not being in, in in the top seven of the AFC chat. It's better than being the Buffalo Bills. Exactly. Oh my god. Which gosh. is which is unbelievable. But that's where we are. Where, where the AFC is right now is crazy because you have teams like the Colts, and then the Texans are right behind them, tied there, and then uh, the Bills, the uh, the Bengals. If, if some of these teams get in, where other of these teams get get knocked out, it just, it just goes to show you that the NFL is is insane. And it's like that in the NFC as well. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. That, and with with the Bengals, you can understand with Joe Burrow being what he was this year. The Bills, I mean, they're like Josh Allen's been there all year, and like he's starting for them every game. But they they, they haven't lost their franchise quarterback. It's just just stuff happens in, in this league that that takes you down a peg every once in a while. Yeah, it, it's. You know, people say, well, the Colts scheduled this, that, and the other. No, they lost their, their starting quarterback, what, in week five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They've had Jonathan Taylor for maybe four games when he's been full bore. So it, it's really incredible what they've done. And you only you play who you play. Mm-hmm. But the idea of – and the Bills schedule, don't they come out of their bye and they play at Kansas City? Yep. Yeah, their, their schedule's brutal. It's brutal. And so, you know, it, I, I would love to see the Colts get in. Yes, because we cover them and it gives us more to talk about. But just for, for being able to deal with what they've dealt with and make that first step in whatever the psych and error is going to be. And we've talked, we'll talk about it later on. The schedule is conducive to these guys doing something good. It is, for sure. And and I think there's like there's some value to that for, for a team and for a franchise. Like it, It's not just top five pick or Super Bowl and everything in the middle is Positive garbage. reinforcement. Like, and especially if you're a new coach to a place trying to establish a, a culture with, as Shane always talks about, his four pillars. Um, like, like just getting players to buy in and be on the same page and be united. Like make the playoff. How do you buy in when you're four twelve and one last exactly. year? You, you you're just you just want the thing over. Mm-hmm. But like you said, this is this is you need. This is how we're going to do it, and and then on top of that, you see some success from that through all of this. I think it's really really valuable as opposed to every win you have. It's a worse draft pick for you. You deal with that in in April. But but I do believe that resilience is one of Shane's uh, four pillars, and they've had to be resilient this year. They're going to have to be resilient yet again for at least the next couple weeks as Jonathan Taylor uh, hurt his thumb against the Buccaneers, and the team didn't Have, Have you seen a play that... No. I've gone back and looked, and it's really hard. Moss, Zach Moss said yesterday that he thinks Taylor said something to him at halftime. So I think it was in the first yeah, half. That's, right. that's what I had read. But boy, too. I went yeah. back and looked at every one of his carries, and there was one five-yard gain that he got up and grimaced a little bit, but that could have been anything because running <laughs> yeah, backs, yeah. you get hit. Right. But, yeah, this came up uh, what uh, after the game, and, you know, the, the owners told a few of us it's, they expect two to three weeks. Why That's why there's no IR right now. Well, that's gone well for them this year, not putting players on <laughs> Let me IR. see Juju Brents and Braden Smith and, goodness gracious, uh, uh, Jelani Woods. Yep. Who, who thought it was going to be, you know, be the entire long. season or whatever. But uh, what, what's really amazing, though, is is now Taylor's season, this journey, the 11-month journey, it started and, and, and has ended to this point with surgeries. So it's just been such a strange year for him. And Taylor, probably Matt had his best game since returning just this past week against the Bucks too, which is one of the better rush defenses in the NFL. Yeah, I, I mean, that that was the, the thing that, 
just, you know, and I understand the Colts came out kind of throwing to try to loosen things up there in the middle, but still when the Buccaneers knew they were running, they were still able to run the ball with Taylor and also to some measure with Zach Moss as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Taylor had uh, six, six, six point six yards of carry, something like that. Uh, Moss was up around seven, so they were able to get things done last week. That 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 game was how they really want to do things. You know, yes, Taylor is your guy. What was he fifteen for ninety one? Is that yes. what it was? Yeah. But then Moss had his handful, and it's really opportunistic or whatever, or fortuitous that you've got you're losing arguably your best offensive player, yet you've got your leading rusher. <laughs> To, to step in on play, and I tell you, since since uh, the last, I think it's the last four games of last year, when when Taylor was out, Zach Moss has been one of the top probably five running backs in the league mm-hmm. yardage wise. So it's really pretty impressive, and it, it, it's, it's I really enjoy talking to Zach Moss. He's such a grounded guy, and he always gets his little shots in when people say, "Well, you're sort of like you're sort of like." No one knows about you. And are you prepared for a heavier a load? He says, you know, I was a three-year starter at Utah. I, <laughs> yeah. I never came off the field. Right. So, so he has been. And, and He's like, I've been here before. Right. Yeah. He said, yeah, this isn't, this isn't like you're just bringing a guy in and let's see what you can do. So, And he's got a legitimate shot. At a thousand yard season, mm-hmm. who'd have thunk it? Yeah, I mean, th- this isn't exactly the the 1987 Oklahoma State's team where Thurman Thomas is your leading rusher, and defenses don't want to knock him out because there's this guy Barry Sanders who's right. working his way up uh, as his backup. But nevertheless, like Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss might have been the best one-two running back duo in the league. If there is anybody that you want to step in, any backup in the league, I, I think Zach Moss is probably the guy because he's had a good season so far and. and and even even just last week, as he stepped in, I mean, this is he looked fresh last week, which understandably so, because Taylor had gotten himself a bit of an increased workload, and they had the bye week over the past couple weeks, so uh, so he should be rested and rejuvenated for for the stretch run of this season. No, and he's he's tenth in the league in rushing still. He missed the first game of the season, as we all recall, and then you know. It, I won't necessarily say workload reduced, but he's split carries now with JT, but he still maintained a pretty high position in the league. And he is averaging uh, 4.8 yards per carry on the season, which is really fantastic. What's going to be interesting to see is the the four games, the first four games that that Moss played when Taylor was out and then just coming back, he he was a running game. So how how will they try to maximize Moss without – running him in the ground Mm -hmm. because right now the backup is trey sermon and we you just you just we don't know you don't know yeah and it's you know let's say you know heaven forbid that moss goes down and then people are criticized the colts well you didn't have enough depth at running back no you're it'll it'll be your third guy right so how how will you will you maximize moss and, and still not give him 25 carries because then again the, the titans the first game was at 23 for 165 that's a lot of carries mm-hmm. it just is but you still have to the, the 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 blueprint moving forward has got to be run the ball and and then make uh, allow Minshew to make those four or five plays and not mm-hmm. 10 or 12 plays and you know this and again maybe i'll be proven wrong but this is a big loss with Taylor. It just is because he he's their best offensive player. But this season was always going to be about can Minshew get him to the playoffs? It's 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 it was on him. It is on him, and it's up to you what your comfort level is on 
on the playoff hopes being in Minshew's hands, but in my mind, they are. Yeah, re- relying on the run game is what we'll look at going forward. It wasn't exactly the game plan last week against the Buccaneers. They came out, they threw it 41 times, they ran it only 27 times. So, so the the uh, the plan is especially early was to was to kill them with the short pass. And you saw Michael Pittman catch 10 balls for about 100 yards. And 13 targets. Mm-hmm. He, he was the one that, that was making that offense go in that game, really the unheralded hero in that game because he doesn't make the end zone and he's not making all these big plays, but he, like he's gaining yards early in, in downs to, to make third down manageable. Yep. He's making third down conversions. Fourth, uh, a fourth and a fourth one down, conversion. Yeah, huge, huge catch. And, and, and taking big hits in, in so doing at the same time. He's, he's, he's as tough a dude as they come, really. And he had a he had a very important game in in, the, in this win. I had a chance to talk to him today, but uh, I guess before practice, and it was about his comfort level being the guy. He says, "I pray for that every day." He said, "Literally, I pray for every day to be, you know, that guy." And he's embraced it, and he's got like 117 targets, 115 targets, which is like fourth most in the league. Mm-hmm. And he's either tied. I haven't. I should have read the notes quicker. I, I, Golly, uh, chap! But he's, he's either tied or passed Marvin Harrison for most eight catch games in a season. And uh, it's just amazing. He's got what seventy five, seventy six catches, and that's with one game with one and one game with two. <laughs> and the one game you know was memorable for the. Maybe I'm not part of this offense, which he regrets. Right, absolutely. He, he regrets. Speaking in, in emotion is not always in, uh, in accuracy. Correct. And I'm looking forward to our podcast in January. When we start talking about is he, is he the guy that you're going to make your guy contract-wise, it's going to be a fascinating discussion. He's going to get 25, $25 million a year. Probably. He won't. Somebody will. Somebody will pass. If it's he, not the Colts, somebody will. Yep. And he knows. You know, worst case for him, it'll be the franchise tag, which will probably be $25 million. Mm-hmm. But as we've always said, if it's easy to walk away from players. Shaq Leonard, you just cut bait. But when it comes to cutting a guy, who do you replace him with? So I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion. Not to the level of the Bears and Justin Fields on what do you got. Yeah. But, but Pittman is he, – he's not – everything you want but he's a lot of what you need mm-hmm. and uh it's going to be a fascinating discussion personnel wise yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff that's going to happen this offseason we'll get to like kyler murray in arizona is another really interesting one what's going on they owe him 200 million dollars and they're probably going to have one of the top picks in the draft and etc etc but it, it's it's really it, it's and that's why like with quarterbacks you better be right yeah, uh, the, the Carolina and Bryce oh, Young. Geez, you have no idea, no, no clue, none what you've got, and there's not a heck of a lot you can do about it mm-hmm. because of what it took to, to get that. And and what is it? It's they fired Frank. They fired guys. I mean, Tepper's on like his what? What is it? Fifth or sixth, including it, interim head coaches like it, sixth. It's, or, it's yeah. just no. It's just no way. So, but no, we'll have a lot to talk about here league-wide, it's just going to be Aaron Rodgers, for crying yeah. out loud. He, he's not going to play. Who do you think? I'm curious. Do, do you think that the Carolina Panthers know more about Bryce Young this right now, or if the Jacksonville Jaguars knew more about Trevor Lawrence in his rookie year with Urban Meyer? That's a good question. Uh, that's a really good question, because Urban Meyer, Lawrence, that was almost a wasted rookie year. It was, but I think, Although I, I think they knew they knew more still. I feel like, like we saw I more from, like we, from I, Lawrence. I, maybe this is just like being Recency caught bias. prisoner of the moment, yeah. but 
But I, I just think they know nothing about Bryce Young at all. How could you? How exactly. could you? Now you, you, you fired the head coach. You've gotten rid of the coordinator. You fired the, the, the quarterback coach. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> and and you're concerned about his, his development. Oh, really? Jeez, really? So, yeah, so yeah it, it's really it, – it's funny. We all – so many times we focus on Colts issues because we're here. Right. And we see them every day. There are other teams that are in so much worse mm-hmm. shape because mm-hmm. you just don't know. And if you mess up the number one pick in the draft, it, it kills you for, I don't know, three years, four years. Because you're stuck with that pick, and unless you're who was it, Carol or uh, Arizona, where they drafted Josh Rosen, mm-hmm. and then the next year they got Kyler they got Murray. Kyler, yeah. But then you get to Kyler Murray, and then it's time to give him the big contract. And it, like I mentioned with Pittman, you're almost with a quarterback, you're almost sabotaged into having to give him the big contract because if not him, who? So, but it's that's, it's, that's why Daniel Jones got that contract. No out question, in the Giants, because they didn't know what Plan B was. Right. Well, sometimes plan A is not very good. Right. So, but it, it's fascinating. And I, I think as we've talked, we have seen more than enough to know, to believe that Anthony Richardson is right for this franchise. Is Stroud going to be better? I don't know. And if he is, fine. If Richardson does what the Colts think he can do and what we have saw in 173 snaps, I have every reason to believe the Colts are in good shape at quarterback moving forward. They certainly believe they are right now. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt until uh, until we see otherwise right. on the field. And we will not be seeing otherwise. He's in the locker room. He's back with the he team. Is. Yes. He's got his eyes passed him in the locker room today. He's got that arm in his sling. And mm-hmm. God, he's so big. He's such a big, big kid. Yeah. Let's just hope that that bigness leads to fewer injuries uh, in, in the future. Am I right? Um, uh, defense has been turning it around in terms of the pass rush the past couple weeks. We saw that really uh, under uh, under a microscope with the, um, with the Buccaneers. Six sacks uh, against Tampa Bay and I think Tampa came into that game with only allowing 20 on the year yeah so it was it was it was what they had not done all year like they they got pressure from a lot of different areas uh they got pressure from two sacks for Samson Ebukam specifically he's having a career year uh, quietly a career I mean quietly but yes but that's what you want from him he started out strong and he had a little bit of a wall and now he's back on the upswing Mm -hmm. so that's good for them one sack for Quiddy Pay who again started out strong had a sack in each of his first three games now he's back on the stat sheet there. Isaiah Land, his first sack in, in the NFL, the undrafted rookie who they claimed off of waivers from the Dallas Cowboys this year, uh, the former Florida A&M Rattler, strike, strike, and strike again, go Rattlers, <laughs> and also Taekwon Lewis and a half sack each for Dio Dangbo. Taekwon Lewis is such, he's and a guy that you, that, you, that you root for, the stuff he's been through. He, he's not a, a stud player, but boy, he's a rotational player. Uh, that, that's why it's kind of cool. I would still rather have as a pass rush a guy. Mm-hmm. I know I'm. I know this guy is going to give me whatever. But they're doing this with with by committee, and I think I saw that they're is it, they're, they're one of two teams. They and the Dolphins are the only teams with. Is it five guys with four or five guys with five sacks? Four guys with five sacks? Whatever it is. So it, it's coming in bunches, as, as a lot of times it does. But they're, they're doing it by committee without having that one guy who's just the, the catalyst for the pass rush. Yep, and uh, you're going to have to get after quarterbacks if you want to have some success. That that can make a that can make a average to decent team beat a good to great team. Right. Like if you just hassle the quarterback all day. And if that's something that that you find something that works. If Gus Bradley is able to to cook something up that 
that uh, that can get past a good offensive line like they saw last week in Tampa Bay if they find something that works, like the offense did, finding something that works with the short passing game and then running it very, very efficiently, averaging five, five and a half yards per carry against one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL. Like If the coaches can find the scheme that beats you, then, uh, then, uh, th- th- then, like I said, a, a, a decent team can beat a good or a great team. In that well, and, and it helps that, that still growing secondary. Yep. When oh, you, yeah. when you get a oh my goodness, rush. yes. I, I was just going to say, uh, Mike, f- uh, f- uh, four Colts players have at least five sacks. Right. So you've got Buckner, Pay, Ebukam, and the Nodangbo. Right, and that's I think Miami's the only other team that has that. So they got a chance to have a couple guys having double digits. And we've talked before, too, I think it's great that that Buck has been like their best pass rush guy, mm-hmm. numbers-wise and impact-wise, but that shouldn't be the case. Mm-hmm. Your, your three-technique tackle should not be that guy. So if he can get help, it's just going to make his game stronger. And the more you watch Buck play, my goodness, he just impacts everything. Mm-hmm. And if they can get – when they get back, uh, Grover Stewart next week, you know, and we'll talk about – this run defense has just not been very good the last five games, right. oh, by the way. Oh, that's, by the way. That's when Grover's not been there. Right. And we've got Derrick Henry coming up, so this will be a really big test defensively. No doubt. Speaking of decisions in the offseason, another one talking about Quiddy Pay, if they're going to pick up his fifth-year option. for. Have uh, you seen enough? I don't know. I don't know about a fifth year for a defensive end, but we'll see. I mean, like I said, he, like I've said on this podcast, he could be Jabal Sheard, and that's fantastic. Like a really good, strong, set-the-edge defensive end. Like if you draft someone in the first round, maybe you want more than that. But at the end of the day, you want players like Quiddy Pay has been on the field. And, hey, he has five sacks right now. He looks like he's going to have a career number. If he ends up with eight or nine yeah you you might have to give him that fifth year option lock him in at at that number because at the next year if he if he has the same or even gets even better that number is going to go up again so again stuff stuff to talk about in the offseason you know grover stewart free agent kenny mm -hmm. moore free agent they got a lot of guys and a lot of decisions to make but for the here and now this team is doing whatever it takes to win you know it's not pretty a lot of times i don't think it's going to be pretty they're not going to have that 30 to 10 game in the fourth quarter but as long as you find a way, that's they just add up wins and losses, not how you got there. They have three wins in a row right now. They have improved to 6-5 and five on the season. They are second in the AFC South via tiebreaker over the Houston Texans because they got that win over them in Houston earlier this year. And for now, the seven seed in the AFC playoffs. This week's opponent, the Tennessee Titans, just 4-7 and seven on the year, trying to get back in the playoff hunt, but right now certainly playing from the outside looking in, especially with all the teams that are uh, kind of in the mix there at 7-4, and 6-5. and five. But they've also lost three of uh, their last four. All four of their wins this year have come at home where they play this weekend in Nashville where the Colts will face them. They're 4-1 and one at home and 0-6 and oh and on the road. Yikes, not road warriors uh, at, at, in the slightest bit. But a new, a new quarterback, rookie Will Levis, uh, had a very good debut uh, throwing four touchdowns in Atlanta, but uh, has not cracked 200 yards, Matt, you notice, in the, in the last three yeah. games. We talked a little bit about Will Levis earlier, saying that after that game, I mean, the Titans had to think, uh, felt, thought, uh, yes, we, we got somebody. Well, well, hold on, tap the brakes. And I, maybe I should have tapped the brakes a little bit when I was talking about him, too. Like, he showed promise for sure, and he has some physical tools, uh, but he's just, it's been a little bit slower uh, ever since that, that first uh, dynamite game for him in the, in the NFL. I, I was listening to, I think, JMV, and he was talking to the pro football folks one of the pro football focus guys and and you know they, they were talking about that first game was great but then it's sort of leveled off because you're, you're seeing some of those things 
from Kentucky that sort of trailed Will Levis into the NFL, and that was sort of holding on to the ball too long, taking sacks that he shouldn't have, that sort of thing. So that's, you know, sometimes players are who they are a little bit, mm -hmm. and, and the league finds that out eventually. And just, you know, five games into his career is, is way too early to, to start saying one thing or the other. But you do see some trends starting to develop a little bit. But, but this is a kind of guy, you, you want to hurry up every quarterback, but for a rookie, you really want to get him thinking and, and be hesitant. And that's what these guys have done. With again, sixteen sacks in three games mm -hmm. during this win streak. That, that's what you want. And, and yes, the sacks are important. It's always, it's funny when people say that sacks aren't a big deal. It's because your team's not sacking the <laughs> yeah. quarterback. You're, you're trying to talk yourself into your right. guys. Yeah, well, you know, your pressures. We're getting near his. No. So, but this is a guy that if you, if you can speed things up and make him do things that he's not ready to do, it, which which first starts with with getting on Derrick Henry and not allowing him to be right. who he's been against these guys. But this is the kind of quarterback that you can really affect with pressure and sacks. That's what we've said uh, every year that the Colts have faced Bill Belichick with a young quarterback. And last year just comes to mind right oh, away with, with Ellen. I know, I, I'm sorry to bring it up, but uh, that's what you do against young quarterbacks. You confuse them. And no one no one's better than him right. at, at doing it. So you're, you're trying to get some semblance of that. Uh, this weekend he has a pretty good wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins who, who had a very good game uh, run you, you mentioned Zach Moss running wild here Matt and uh, DeAndre Hopkins catching wild we'll, we'll, we'll make it a thing that's sure, fine sure uh, why eight, not? eight catches 140 yards against the Colts first time out um, but like every time every time I see the Titans now and maybe this is because I grew up an Eagles fan and I still follow a lot of Eagles accounts like I cannot imagine the trajectory of a franchise going so much in a different direction that by one weird move than the Titans trading away AJ Brown like that that move for them really pivoted them pivoted the Titans to being like even even though he wasn't like you you were still a Derrick Henry led offense like a tough grinded out uh beat you to a pulp type offense AJ Brown was is a tough big physical receiver like people fit, look at him and think like they, they, that might not be the first thought that comes to mind that it's the um, like he makes big plays, he's more flashy and all that. But but he was everything like to me, he was everything they would want in a receiver, a big, tough, strong guy that could still beat you to a pulp in the receiving game. And they traded him away for a first round pick. And it is still mind boggling to me why well, they, they, they did weren't that. willing to, to give him what. 20 million dollars right, right. and now it's 25 right. million dollars for michael Pittman jr yeah that, that's almost being tone deaf to where the league is yes so yes you're built around derrick henry but he's on the downside he just is and the, the league is is a passing league and you look at so many places there's no question in my mind that a.g brown is has, has been the difference in philly i'd give up two first round picks right. for him uh, stefan diggs in buffalo yep. i mean that when that guy when you get that that's why i say next year with with, with Richards are coming back. You need that guy, whoever it is. I'm, I don't miss A.J. Brown at all. <laughs> no. T T Tennessee, that, that, was, that went along. Wasn't that the same day or the same week where uh, Baltimore got rid of uh, Marquise Brown? Yes, it was. So it was they weren't willing to pay top-end money to a receiver, and that's where the league is right now. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, that, that that's just a, a quick rabbit trail uh, okay, off we, topic. How, how many rabbit holes did we go uh, down? That, that's that's that that was me. That's entirely on me. So I'll I'll fully admit that. We're all um, about accountability. But, here. Well, yeah, exactly. We, we we touched on Zach Moss that first game against Tennessee. He had that one sixty yard run that he broke off in that game. So that certainly helped him out. But even if you take that sixty yard run out, it was twenty two carries for like a hundred a hundred yards. So so even even take off the the big run, it was still a fantastic yeah, day for really him. Really good and, and against th- them. Yeah. Then you add add the big run, and it's just a, an electric day. That. that completely led the offense. I was curious, so I checked on it, and that 165 is still the fourth best running game of the season this year Mm -hmm. by anybody. So, and I I wake, there's been like, there's been 21 games of of 122 yards, and he's had two of them. So, uh, again, they they need to run the ball, but what he's doing is amazing, and it's kind of crazy how it's going to be Moss and Pittman against uh, Derrick Henry and Andre or DeAndre Hopkins, and which quarterback can take care of their business more efficiently? You have Andre Johnson on the mind, already trying to DeAndre your Hopkins case, uh, against Andre Johnson. I was talking for, to Reggie about Hall that today, and <laughs> he, he and I keep going back and forth. I think, yeah, Andre Andre Johnson, who, who, who former Colt, yeah, which people former forget. Colt Andre Johnson. Oh, yes. You you can still respect the man in his career, but not put him above everyone else who has been waiting in line. Correct. Yes, Calvin Johnson. Yes, Andre Johnson. No. No. No, no, and no disrespect intended. None. I, once again, well, I'm sure that's something that'll that'll come up over the Correct. next couple of weeks as well. So that was, by the way, t- um, uh, so if, if if people don't know what I'm referring to, this week the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, of which Chap is a voter, um, uh, just announced its 25 modern era semifinalists, and we have Reggie Wayne in that group, Dwight Freeney in that group, uh, Robert Mathis uh, in that group, and, and if you're looking at all of them this year with the new the new inductees or the new class is always the one that you look at, see if there's any guys that jump again jump to the front of the line. Julius Peppers will be on that list, uh, a possible uh, Antonio Gates. Antonio Gates is a tight end is jumping uh, to the top of that list because at least, of, at least three. Yes, exactly. So there's two right there that are probably first time inductees because of what they meant to their position over the years. Like Julius Peppers, people forget like. Pete, he wasn't always, I think, maybe he had one or two years you consider him the best or one of the best in the league, but he was always just so consistent, like 12 sacks a year. He did that for, for year after year after year after year, and he did it in Carolina. He did it in Chicago. He, he did it wherever he was, and he ended up in his career in top five in the NFL in sacks uh, in the history of the league. So, yeah, he'll, he'll be there. He will get the uh, the nod. Antonio Gates will 90% likely get get that nod too. But, yeah, you, like you said, Chap, there's kind of three positions there. There's a list of wide receivers that that keeps adding to it because I mean Steve Smith is added to the list this year. The, he can the barely time. get his sniff though. He, he, we can't get him in the room, right? Anquan Bolden, quality player. Right. That's Heinz Ward. Anquan Bolden, one of the most underrated receivers I of his area, in my opinion. Yeah, which in but that's why I keep imploring to our to our other selectors. A lot of us do is we got to get somebody in. Yeah, you got to get got to get a receiver here. in because yeah. all, we keep kicking the can down the road, and before you know it. You know, Jason Witten's going to be up, and then Larry Fitzgerald is going to be up, and then all of a sudden you got Reggie and these guys. Ten years, yeah, they've not gotten in. So that's an, that's, a, that's another podcast for right. in the future. We, I'm sure we can dive deep into that. And Correct. then the the Freeney Mathis debate is always a good one. If you had to pick one, you, 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 luckily the Colt for Colts fans, they did not have to pick one o- over the years here in Indianapolis. They had both of them, including the uh, the Syracuse legend uh, Dwight Freeney there, who uh, revolutionized the position with uh, in some ways he really so did. I, I, you still, I mean, it is funny because even you know, I, I we didn't really talk about it, but. Ebukam, I said he had a Mathis-like strip sack, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, because I remember that's what Robert Mathis did best. When you see a guy, a a defensive end or lineman, do a spin move, Mm -hmm. 
it's almost a, always on the broadcast. They reference Dwight yep. Freeney. I, I watch Zach Moss do a spin move, and I'm thinking, Freeney. Yep. Freeney on offense. It's it's funny how Jonathan Taylor always he keeps bringing up the spin move. Like he, He's in <laughs> love with I'm, Zach Moss' spin move. I'm trying to have him teach me that spin move. <laughs> over and over again. It's just, I, I think, like... It, just to keep going down this this rabbit trail here, like it it must be so unnatural for a running back to add a new move after playing. In Jonathan Taylor's case, he's been playing since Pee Wee. You know, like there's got to be so much muscle memory into what goes into his running game and his running habits. And if if you're trying to perfect things and tweak things like you can make small changes I think like Tiki Barber did with how I think that's a famous one with carrying the ball higher to try to eliminate the uh, the fumbles which worked really well for him but but to add an entirely new move to like your war chest and to, to recognize in a game when to use when it you- that that's that, that's got to be so, so freaking hard. difficult to do and, and so like Ta- Taylor says this like I, I think part of it is tongue-in-cheek just recognizing how good this move that Zach Moss is that that, that he has that Jonathan Taylor has never had any semblance of uh, throughout his career. And it's more just a nod to, to, to how good it is than to him actually probably adding it at some time. But if he ever does, you, you can bet that's the first question out of the gates uh, postgame, uh, Jonathan Taylor, if, if he's ever able to use a spin move. That's what was so discouraging about the broken thumb is because, again, that I thought that was this last game was the best yep. he's been. Yep. And that 17-yard run where there was nothing there and he made himself skinny – and somehow got through the line. Then the next play scored on power. Mm-hmm. So it's just unfortunate. But, yeah, it's it's just going to be hard. There's so many quarterbacks coming out of the, the draft, and they've got flaws in their mechanics. Well, we can fix that. No, w- w- after you're in a game, it, your your mind goes back to this mm-hmm. is how I do it. And it you reverts. Just can't, you can't change. Freeney did the, the spin move since high school. Right. It was part of who he was. Robert Mathis sort of picked it up. Right. But you're kind of, you know, they are who they thought they were, you know, yeah. they were. So very interesting. But uh, again, yeah. that, that's another rabbit hole. It's another right. podcast that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, there, there's, there's a reason that, uh, like, different players have these iconic moves. Like, so, Reggie so, White has his club, you know, that, that hey, like, hey, hey. There, there's not too many players. You let's, can let's, let's 300-pound offensive line. Save this content yes. for February. Okay. Sorry, right, guys. Yes. Well, okay. the, the Hall of Fame is, <laughs> we decide, we, we, we cut to the. The final 15 in mid-December, and then we decide this in January, so we can't wait till February. Yeah, that's right. Well, well, well yeah. We'll, we'll keep we'll sprinkling for, it in. Exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait for when the Colts are in the playoffs there in uh, in January, right? Where we that, can, would, that would be cool. Yeah. I mean, it's not being homerish. It's just... It's a reality it, right now, like yeah, I said. Yes, it I, is. I, I did not think at any point in the season, whether going into the season, whether Richardson was the quarterback mm-hmm. or whether Minshew played significant minutes, I did not think we would be on the cusp of December and talking about the Colts playing meaningful mm-hmm. football. I just did not believe that was going to be the case. Well, the meaningful football was expected that Richardson would be, would be right. getting invaluable experience. Right. While, while, while you were going five and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And Vegas didn't expect that either because the number at six and a half for their win total, they are one win away. And uh, an entire month plus left of the season in order to, uh, to pass that goal. Uh, let's dive into the offensive and defensive rankings for the Colts and Titans entering this week's matchup. Uh, the game will be broadcast at 1 p.m. airing on CBS4 here in central Indiana. Um, the Titans are only averaging 16.8 points per game this season. That is 27th in the NFL. It has been uh, slow going for them on that side of the ball. Uh, the Colts, though, 8th in the league, still in that top 10, averaging 24.5 
half points per game, increasing that number a little bit this week after scoring 27 against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, passing yards, Titans still near the bottom of the barrel, 26th in the league, averaging less than 100, less than 200 yards per game, only 181. The Colts are 18th, just in the middle of the barrel there, uh, 220 yards passing per game. Rushing yards, Titans, like you think they're a big, bad rushing team, but they are still 21st in the league in the bottom half in the league in rushing yards, averaging about 100 yards per game and four and a half yards, 4.3 yards per rush, rather. The Colts all the way up at 11th in the league. So if you're saying, hey, which is the running team in, in your head, you might think, oh, the Titans. Well, the Colts are a little bit better of a running team this year, averaging 121 Look yards at that home and away split, though. per game. But, yes, as Matt points out, the home split for the Titans is uh, is much better. On the road, they're averaging, Chap, 83 yards rushing per game. At home, 136 yards rushing per game. Home field means something. It's, I've never in, – in, in Shane Steichen was asked that on, on Wednesday about that, and he said, you know, we've kind of looked into it. We, it. It's just hard to know what it is. But they play better at home. They're more effective at home. Um this will be a really interesting game because the Colts have been better on the road. Yeah, right. They're both. Uh, or are they four the, and one? The Titans are four and one at home. Right. And the Colts are four and one on the road. Right. So it's it's just strange. It's a strange season that way. Why these guys play better on the road, I don't know. You know, they won in Baltimore. Right. These guys won. You, you can say, well, no, they, they won in Baltimore. They won. They won that game. So, it was so, a dirty, it was an ugly game, but they won that game. Uh, I'd rather it. come out of a fist fight, you know, w- with a win and on my feet. Mm-hmm. So as, as much as people are going to put that, yeah, but at the end of sentences, this is who they are, and it's they've played better away from home. And it, it's just, I, I did, I was looking at something, and I was like, well, the Titans have been so good at home, and so I, I looked at these splits here. Uh, they're averaging 23 points per game at home on the road, 11.6 points per game hmm. for the Titans. For the Colts, they're averaging 26.5 at home and 22 uh, on the road per okay. game. Mm-hmm. So um, that puts it at a one-point game. <laughs> if you if you go by the averages there, it's it's crazy. And that's what Vegas says. It's a one point. Colts are one-point favorites, and I believe the number is like 42. Uh, you're over under for this game. So like a that's right you know, on 20, the, the yeah, averages. 21-20 ball yeah. game, 22-21, something in that range. And we'll get to our predictions a little bit later, but we'll continue with the offensive and defensive numbers now. Uh, the Titans' defense has been pretty solid this year. They're top ten in the league, ranked tenth, at allowing uh, 20.4 points per game. Uh, the Colts still down near the bottom of the league here, allowing uh, 24.4 points per game. That is 27th in the league, only five teams worse. Uh, total defensive yards, Titans are 17th in the league. Uh, Colts are 24th in the league. Passing defense, Titans are 19th, Colts 17th, so about the same right there, 220 yards per game given up. Rush defense, Titans 15th, allowing 110 yards per game. Uh, Colts 26th in rush defense, and that number, of course, has plummeted with uh, with Grover Stewart being out of the lineup. And it's this like a, is it like 150 yards a game in yeah. the five without it's Grover. It's been bad. Like yeah. it's been really bad. There, there was a time earlier this season we were talking about the the Colts having a top 10 rush defense mm-hmm. and, and even a top five based on yards per carry. But man, since Grover has got, we saw a little bit regression before Grover went out. But since mm-hmm. Grover's been out, it mm-hmm. has been really rough. Yep, and, and so that uh, the it, it falls to the guys, the backups, who are now getting increased roles obviously for the past six weeks i mean it's hard to call them backups right now they're basically starters who, who, who've been in there um whether it's Taven bryan or idi tamawadibare or moving dio dangbo inside uh Taekwon lewis as well like they're they're Derek been, johnson's Derek johnson of course too yes so there, there's been a, a slew of players who have seen a lot more action and then of course when it comes to derrick henry like yeah those guys are important but it goes to the linebackers too and it, it's a big zaire franklin game i think I mean, there's been a lot of big zaire franklin games and uh, he's he and buckner teamed up for that 
that big fourth down stop against uh, Derrick Henry that secured the win earlier this year. Uh, I think the Colts are going to need to have to ask a lot of Zaire again this weekend just because, hey, Grover's not there. Well, you're going to see a little bit more action then than you would if, if he was in the game. So, And again, as we probably mentioned, Grover comes back next week. That's right. He's been in the locker room the last two mm-hmm. or three weeks, yep. I think it is. I think it's the, he gets like three weeks off completely, right. and then he's been allowed to be right. in the locker room for three so, weeks. Of his and six and I'm sure he'll be in as good a shape as he can be, whatever you can do when mm-hmm. you're not playing. But they've missed him, and we we talked with Gus Bradley about that as – you knew he was important. Did you know he was this important? He said, "Well, sort of." Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah, you had an idea. Yeah. yeah. Like we, we we try to we try to express that like somewhat, but at the same time, as as when when we start expressing how important Grover Stewart is here on a podcast in this type of medium, it, it always kind of reverts to also DeForest Buckner because of of the impact that he has on a game, and you kind of talk about them in tandem, and I think that's just. That's just the natural ebb and flow of, of this type of, of medium, like I said. So uh, it, it might it might do a little disservice to Grover to to try to include the always talk about them together. Like he, he deserves his his own his own real focus about what he is able to do to this defense and able to uh, establish in the run game. And uh, and like and like you said, uh, Gus Bradley knew it. I think his teammates knew it for sure. And we, if we didn't know before, have say the football it. layman can now yes. see it. Yes. So you, you know, over the last few weeks, yes. Uh, Titans are minus four in turnover differential. They have only eight takeaways and have twelve turnovers. So they don't turn the ball over that much, but they don't take it away all that often either. And the Colts are plus two on the season. Uh, have eighteen takeaways and sixteen turnovers. A few fewer turnovers would be nice, but eighteen takeaways is. No, they is, had eight in, back in two games. Right. They did. Uh, Minshew did. Right. So yes. So yeah, yeah. And a couple of Gardner's last couple of interceptions have not been the most timely. Mm-hmm. But you know what? They're not coming in bunches right, right. now. So it the, makes the, a difference. The one, the one was Josh Downs, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a miscommunication. I don't. I still don't know who that was because, like, for me, it kind of looked like it was Minshew, but but I don't know for sure. And at this point, I think we're past it. So I, I wasn't asking them in the locker room this week, and that wasn't a big topic of conversation. Like Mis- miscommunication. It was definitely miscommunication. What? What? Are the, I thought. I thought it was zone coverage, and so I thought down sat in the right spot, and like Gardner threw it outside, which would have been a man read, I think, following him. But the but the cornerback on the the cornerback on the outside might might have just seen it and, and jumped the route there, and still being played playing man coverage just just stopped his his coverage and saw what was happening. It could have been like Gardner made the right read, but just was a really good play. It's hard, it's hard for me to say. It really is. It, it was just at, at that and, point in the game, we play the if game all the time. Yeah. But if, if the Colts walk away with that one, I, I feel like without mm-hmm. that it was interception. It was 17 to 3. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They get another yeah. score. It was going to be mm-hmm. really, really difficult for the Bucks to come back and make that yeah. much of a game. And you know what, Chap? We talked about this last week when you were uh, on the injured reserve yourself uh, here, just kind of rehashing the um, the the Patriots game and, and how kind of skittish Minshew looked in that game. I made the point that I would rather have him be skittish than what he was. And that was throwing passes that he shouldn't. Um, and committing four turnovers in back-to-back games. And you can understand how that's kind of what, what would naturally happen to a quarterback. You're being told, you cannot turn the ball over in the matter that you're turning it over. And so your reaction in a game would be to be more apt to run around and try to buy a little bit more time and not fumble the ball. You feel more pressure when it's not quite there. Like those are things that, that if you only have a week or two to try to make adjustments, that's what would happen. You can't just be boom, perfect right away. That's something that takes an off season or several weeks to really 
iron out or even years of a career to iron out of a system. So, so like I said, I would rather have him look a little skittish than keep turning the ball over at the rate that he was. Your, your thoughts on, on just that, that, that opinion about Gardner Minshew and his play. Yeah, cause, but well, the, the only negative is I think the offensive line's played pretty well with the fact that I think I looked, they've had six different combinations with Kelly and Braden Smith and, and Bernie being out on occasion. But yeah, I, I think he it, it appeared he was seeing ghosts, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, I'd, I'd rather have him then try to get out there and, and make plays on the move, which I think he's shown he can do pretty well. But uh, but he but the bottom line is he can't. It's it's whether it's fair or not. He can't turn the ball over two or three times again. This team is not built for that. So I, I think there is something when when it's stressed to you, don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. Then that sort of puts a hesitation right. in your play, which is not what you want from the quarterback. Yeah, but but you want turnovers less. I Correct. guess I, I think so. Uh, maybe that's something that uh, Colts fans have to live with a little bit. Uh, this this is this is who. Right, and that's this kind is of, who Minshew is, and yeah. this is who they are because if that's who Minshew is, mm-hmm. you're going to go as far, again. You're going to go as far, or not very far, mm-hmm. as, as as he allows you to go because mm-hmm. that's that's who he is. Yeah, Gardner Minshew going to hand the ball off plenty to Zach Moss this week because he's his fantasy running back. So uh, ho- hopefully, uh, Zach Moss keeps uh, keeps keeps churning out those yards and touchdowns for Gardner Minshew's sake. Yeah, um, let's Gara, let's run down the Titans' offense. Will Levis in five games here in his uh, rookie year in the NFL. Has thrown for 1,000 yards, 1,042 specifically, six touchdowns, only two interceptions, uh, and has taken 13 sacks in those five games. So uh, you look at some of those numbers uh, overall, four of those touchdowns were in the first game. Right. So four games, only two touchdowns uh, in that uh, mix. But two interceptions is not bad. But at the same time, you want maybe a little bit fewer than 13 sacks, kind of what you were saying there, Matt, that that's something that um, it, it, it's, it's, such a, it's such a tightrope to walk. Uh, as quarterback in the NFL. Like you say, you definitely don't want your quarterback to commit turnovers, as we were just saying with Gardner Minshew. But be aggressive. But you want someone to be aggressive and not take the sacks that he shouldn't. And that, that's that's what's so difficult to, to learn. You have to learn like how, how fast the NFL game moves and just uh, – and that's – that's something that that takes reps, that takes rookies being out there, and like like we wanted to see with Anthony Richardson, the Titans are seeing that more from from Will Levis, and they're able, they're going to be able to take this experience, and and hopefully for their sake, that you they would say hopefully build on it in the future. So, um, so that those that's kind of some of the explanation behind behind some of those numbers for him. Um, Ryan Tannehill, uh, well, he has not uh, played all that often recently, and there were rumors that they he wanted uh, them to cut him. Uh, he he denied those rumors, but you can see from his numbers uh, why they uh, they moved on from him. As in six games, he threw for 1,100 yards, just two touchdowns, six interceptions, and 19 sacks. So hey, maybe maybe Will Levis is 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 better than Ryan Tannehill in terms of taking sacks. For crying out loud, maybe it's just that offensive line is not the best pass protecting uh, offensive line. It, it just feels to me like other than the uh, obviously the, the interceptions and touchdowns reversed there the numbers don't really feel all that different no they don't to me it's a quarterback who doesn't throw for a ton of yards right who gets sacked a considerable amount of times. so so from that perspective you might as well have your rookie in there and see what exactly. you got and get him some exactly. some reps and play, play, play the guy that you you know you, you think hope yeah, if you're the titans you, you hope that you know two or three years down the road this will really pay off for him Derrick Henry, 176 carries on the year, 739 yards. That's 4.2 yards per carry this year. Also has 26 catches for 167 yards. And uh, that's like 
Derrick Henry is not the 2,000-yard back, I think, that, that he was a couple years ago. He can ago. still just hurt you. Yeah, he, he can. Hurt you. He That's can. a problem. He absolutely can. Literally. Like, yes, right like physically hurt actually you. hurt you. Yeah. Um, at uh, wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins has 45 catches for uh, nearly 700 yards, four touchdowns, and also has 10 receptions for 20-plus yards. He definitely had a couple of those against the, uh, against the Colts when he was here, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, former IU wide receiver, Nick Westbrook-Akine, 24 catches, 281 yards, three touchdowns, has five receptions of 20-plus yards. And that is something that, that Levis can do, is he can beat you deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the arm to, to put it anywhere on the field at, at, at any time. Uh, so you have to be um, wary of that if you're the Colts secondary. I mean, we, 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 I've talked a lot on this podcast about big plays. You guys know I like my explosive play Darn stat. Right. I do it every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Colts have been pretty exceptional in that category now it's it slowed down a little bit the last couple of weeks they didn't do a whole ton against the Patriots it was you know but they've got 41 explosive plays on the season the Titans have 40 mm-hmm. so they can with Levis in there especially they can make those big plays you know who I actually like this is kind of going back to explosive plays in, in the game against uh, Tampa Bay who didn't make explosive plays but still was a contributor was uh, was Alec Pierce I thought he caught a couple mm-hmm. good short passes which is not like we've said not his forte like the Colts have needed to get him in the offense more because they just cannot go deep right now with him at least um, they, they, they have not been able to find Alec Pierce deep for whatever reason but but they need to get him more involved in the game chap I thought they did that pretty well uh, in last week's game against the Buccaneers. They got well, him a couple of those short passes. Well, then they made a big point that he had the one big breakup on an interception. Yeah, that too. <laughs> which is easy. It's, and it's things like that that maybe we're going to think about from Pierce this year, which is unfortunate for him, is where there's a pass breakup. There's some big, some DPIs he's drawing. I think he's played well. It's just right now the function of this, this offense is it's run the ball and it's Pittman and Josh Downs. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, let's get a couple of plays from Pierce. But he'll have a game this year, maybe this week, I don't know, where he has four catches for 90 yards and mm-hmm. one over the top. But uh, I think he's played well. I think he, he in, in, to a lesser degree than, than Pittman, has, has been in, in, impacted by, by their offensive approach, where wh- whether they can't get the ball to him or they don't get the ball to him, I don't, I don't think they dial up a lot of big plays. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. But uh, – I'm not ready to, to say Pierce is any kind of a bust at all. No, no, me neither. I think he's got a very valuable part, and it's his role's been even lessened by Josh Downs' emergence. Right. And that kid, he had 13, which was strange. He had 13 targets last week, only five catches. That's normally not what he does. He, he's much more efficient. Right. But he still gives you plays. And, and But it'd be really nice to see Pierce have that yeah. one game where they really get him going. Reward him a little bit. for Because right. I saw I saw a stat, I think, a week or two ago that said Alec Pierce had run more distance on the field than it's any a, other receiver. It was receiver. an incredible number. Yeah, like it's some crazy number of yards or miles, or if it was at that point, that, that he had run. So, yeah, get, get him the ball, dadgummit. Uh, give him give him some uh, I, some reward for that. I, I agree with Chap. I, I know that the numbers aren't necessarily there, but I, I think he has been a, a pretty decent part of the offense as far as – how, how they've used him or at least tried to get the ball to him. He, he's been kind of uh, at fault because of the perception of being that, that early pick, was it, two years ago? Mm-hmm. And this would be the year that he emerges. Well, you know, not to compare him at all, but Reggie Wayne didn't really emerge until like year three. Right. And then the fact that you add Josh Downs, who's done, I'm sure, a lot more than anyone expected. Mm-hmm. And right now this, this pecking order of Pittman Downs and Pierce is working with the running game. And they'll sprinkle in 
an occasional 30-yard pass to Moali Cox at a fourth and one. But I think the, the, this is this is his role now. I think so. Uh, and again, I'm fine with it. You saw that play coming. I like that was that was that was a fun one. As I like, I, you saw Mo just kind of slip out. I'm like, ooh, they're going to Mo. Those have got to be the hardest ones to catch. Oh yeah, because you're saying get here because what he put didn't put a lot of zip on the ball. Nope, it's like boo. Yeah, yep. Gardner wanted. It's also hard to throw because you also know the guy is wide open and you don't want to put too much zip on it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to throw it over his head. God, so he just kind of lofted the ball up there a little bit. And, and what's funny and it, it's it's a it was a cool side note that Zai, if you, they they had uh, Steichen mic'd up, and when they call the play, they they say okay Zaire personnel Zaire personnel. So it was it was for him. Yeah. And. and Go back and look at what he did on the play, and he did nothing. Right. <laughs> he, he, he did, there was no way to block because no one got through to him. But uh, it, it's just it's just really cool when they do that. And uh, and of all the people to, to use it with, he, he's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Where he said, remember, they went to him, and he wanted them to throw him the ball in the flats. Yeah, said, I, I've, right. got, I've got speed in the flats. Leak out to the flat. Now, maybe later. Uh-huh. This time you're going to block here. But uh, – it was it was crazy that we talked about the, the chunk plays. Their two biggest plays on offense last week were the fourth and ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, to twenty four to Pittman and thirty to to, to, to Moali Cox. So however, however you can get it done, but uh, I do wish they had more explosive in their in their game plan but that's just not the way this roster is built i, I do I, I think it was our friend joel a erickson of the indy star who said that he wants to see the the effectiveness of zaire franklin in a spider two wide banana uh like uh, halfback or fullback role and uh and, and i second that entirely 100 percent. that'd be fantastic uh returning to the uh, titans offense chris moore 12 catches wide receiver 280 yards has six catches of 20 plus yards so they have three wide receivers who have five plus catches uh of, of 20 yards or more so it's not just one guy that, that can beat you deep there too they're, they have a bunch of guys who can who can slip out behind the secondary which makes their their the, the offensive numbers just strange it does what's, it not, is. what's not working mm-hmm. yeah like there's just no consistency with it like they'll, they'll find it every once in a while but but there's no there's no set it seems like there's no set consistent plan that works to get that like it's like oh we got it hey woo and then, so, and then we don't yeah and and it's worked more often at home so so for take that for what it's worth tight end Chicago Conquo, 39 catches 251 yards and as Matt notes the Titans have 40 explosive plays and the Colts have 41 explosive plays so that's that's pretty much dead even right there between those two teams on defense uh, Aziz Alshire has 102 total tackles that leads the team uh, Jack Gibbons at linebacker 68 Amani Hooker at safety has 67 and uh, our good old friend Danico Autry leads them with 10 sacks and also has 10 tackles for loss what a career he's had he's had a great career great like player. he really has like he's you're not going to put him up in the lines of Danelle Hunter and TJ Watt but dadgummit you want to you you want Danico Autry on your team you go into a season you say yeah, well we're, we're gonna get 10 sacks from Danico yep we'll and tackle for losses we'll take that mm-hmm. Jeffrey Simmons has a five and a half sacks 10 tackles for loss on the interior Harold Landry five ta- uh, five sacks rather and six tackles for loss. Um, the Colts, um, as we look ahead, there are only two teams remaining, as Matt notes here, on the Colts schedule with a winning record. And those are the Steelers and the Texans. There are six games left. And so from, from what I've kind of gathered, if the Colts go four and two down the stretch, they have somewhere around a 70 or 80% chance of making the playoffs. If they go five and one, 
then it's all the way up to like 98, 99. Oh, That's like a shoe like in. that 98% chance a few years ago? Exactly. Like that 98% chance a few years ago where you just had to win one of your last two games. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, chap. That's what we're here for. Exactly. So uh, it, it starts this weekend with winning, winning the games that you're supposed to. And this one might be tougher than you think because, like we've noted several times here, the Titans play much, much better at home than they do on the road. So I think this is going to be more difficult than it was the first time out against the, the, the Titans. But... But if you want to if you want to take advantage of what what is in front of you, then then it starts this weekend. It does, and and doing what you're supposed to do, and that's that's beat teams that that you're supposed to beat. A team that's four and seven is still a team that you're supposed to beat. That has not been particularly impressive on offense. That is still kind of breaking in a rookie quarterback. Like this is still a team that the Colts are supposed to beat, and to be road favorites, as I said, this is just kind of the first step in the rest of the season. That um, now that you're you're in line for the playoffs. You control your own destiny there. And how do you handle the success? Yep. All of, all of a sudden, deal. you're not just climbing up. You're, you're, you're there, and now it's yours to protect or reinforce that, that, that position. And you talk to players in the locker room, and they, they point it back to Steichen about how he sort of kept them you know, focused on it. it it's just it, it's week to week to week, and, and fans don't understand how the seven-day life cycle of an NFL player. It just is. You, you play on Sunday, and then – you have to put that game behind you so that that loss doesn't impact the next loss. And he's done, to this point, a pretty darn good job of doing this. And if this thing continues, it'll get stronger. But all the talk about well, Coach of the Year, Danico Ryans, mm-hmm. and D'Amico Ryans, I'm sorry, right. and what he's done, well, Steichen's done more as much with less. You know they've without had their, his rookie quarterback. Without and yeah. they've they've had their top picks, and this is what this the Colts have had to deal with. So, very impressive. But again, how do you, how do you deal with it? Now all of a sudden you're getting a lot of praise heaped on you, right? And can you hand it, it's it's easy to be confrontational when you're you're losing and all this. When you're winning and people are telling you how good you are, how do you handle that? Uh, the Colts uh, quick injury update for both teams uh, did not practice on Wednesday. Juju Brent still, still. Not on injury, injured reserve still. This will be five weeks. This will be five weeks that Juju Brents hasn't even practiced for the love. Isaiah McKenzie with a toe injury and uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor. Uh, limited in practice on Wednesday. DeForest Buckner with a shoulder. Full practice. Ryan Kelly had a concussion that uh, went the wrong way at the end of last week, and he didn't play. And to Wesley French's credit, stepped in and did a really good job. Yeah, he had to go against the Vita Via. I mean, yeah, right? not something you want to have to deal with. But I, I thought he was fantastic. And, and, like, I thought the running game, like, they held blocks really well because Taylor it seemed like a really patient running attack from – Taylor, like you mentioned, the one where he just found space there. And that's because everyone in front of him is holding their blocks for a couple seconds while he finds that little crease to sneak through uh, 17 yards. Uh, anyway, uh, Drew Ogletree with a foot practiced and Bernard Ryman with a knee practiced as well. Our, our friend Brett Binsley put an update from Thursday's practice. No Juju Brents again. No surprise. Ryan, Kelly, Ryan Kelly's out there. We'll see. T- tomorrow's a big day on whether he can pass right. the, the, the independent – McKenzie's back. DeForest Buckner was limited, which is getting you get That's used fine. to it. Yeah, and, and get used to Wednesday walkthroughs. Yes, because right now they're they're so much more concerned about resting and recouping bodies as opposed to. So they want to be as fresh as they can be. Correct. Sunday. Correct. Yeah, I think yeah we're going to see that if not every week down the stretch, most of the weeks down the stretch, and hey, that's just fine. Uh, make, do you make think it a mental it'll day. matter whether they win or lose on that walkthrough or not? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to have every Wednesday off. I mean, they get Mondays right. off anyway. Right. 
So, but I, I think it'll be his feel for the team, and so much of that—that's what a coach does. And they've got that—I can't remember what they call that—an executive council, players' council. Mm-hmm. And I think he taps into the you know Buckner and Zaire and Ryan Kelly. What 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 do you guys need? Because Tyken knows he'll get good feedback from the players about what what do you guys need at practice? Do you, do you need to go hard? Do you need us to pull back? And listen to your players. And there's some value in having players who know what they need, too, like in that sense. You, and you they're not going to take advantage of it. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, for the Titans, limited on Wednesday was wide receiver Traylon Burks with a concussion, uh, linebacker Luke Gifford with a shin injury, and quarterback Will Levis, an ankle injury. So that's something to at least watch the rest of the week, even though he was just limited. So I, I don't anticipate that'll be significant for the rest of this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for those types of uh, notes throughout the week. Uh, full practice on Wednesday was safety Terrell Edmonds uh, with a shoulder injury. So one o'clock game, Colts in Tennessee to visit the Titans. Gary again airs on CBS4 if you're in central Indiana. Uh, it's a 42 42- point line it's a one point Colts favorite they're anticipating Vegas is a 21-20 22-21 type ball game right there um, I'll go first since I've let you guys go first the past couple weeks darn right I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take over this time and then we'll go to Matt and Chap to wrap things up um, I like I, I still do like the Colts in this game I was wrong last week I, I talked all about how uh, like you weren't here for a chat I thought that the matchups were terrible for the Colts I thought that they couldn't run the ball they ran the ball I thought that they couldn't stop the wide receivers they didn't they didn't do much to stop Mike Evans but at the same time Chris Godwin didn't go off um, so so they did a lot better than I thought they would um, and, and so I'll be the first to admit that I was wrong about what happened last week I thought that it was it was a masterfully executed game plan like it was both the coach's game plan that did it well to, to find the gaps against the Buccaneers defense and to not let the receivers kill you uh, because you had a better pass rush than an- anticipated than I anticipated I should say and then um Anyway, uh, moving on to this week. We don't need to talk about last week anymore, especially since I was so uh, terribly wrong. We, we, we can forget about that immediately. But this week, I, I do like the Colts in this game. Um, I'm going to take them 27-24 to 24 in, uh, in Tennessee. I don't, I don't anticipate them, again, blowing anybody out, but um, I, I think they found a little something last week. Uh, hopefully that gives them they, – they would hope to give them a, a little bit of momentum on offense to, to get back to what they were doing on offense and not the uh, – uh, the, the, poor offensive showing to be honest that we saw against uh, the Panthers and the um, and the Patriots albeit in wins so uh, got some momentum you keep some momentum and you uh, you beat the Titans and improve to seven and five on the air Matt what do you think I, I tell you I, I know the Colts have been good on the road but the, the home split for the Titans I, they've been so good at home uh, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Titans here 26 to 20 they, they put on a late field goal Colts can't quite get that touchdown that they need to, to recover there at the end all right chap what do you think I go 23-20 Colts. I think again to me they're they're in the find a way mode, and as long I'm going to be piling on Minshew the rest of the season. As long as the quarterback doesn't suit, do something egregious, I think they've got enough to find a way. Again, Matt Gay kicking, I don't know whatever the math is, maybe three field goals. Mm-hmm. What was it? A 58 yarder he glanced off the right. Yeah, I think it would have been good from 70. It would have been good from seven. Like it hit almost halfway up that upright. Un- unbelievable. But his misses have been they've been like long ones. Yep. Uh, but his only other 50 yard miss, I think, was the blocked one right, that uh, that right. Miles Garrett was just a Superman. I just think they find way. I, I I like the way they're playing. It's not flashy. It's not going to be flashy. And we'll be talking about boy, they could have done something better this, that, and the other. But I think they're finding ways. I think the defense will limit Henry enough. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, twenty three twenty, good guys. Yeah, I'm glad that they're giving us something to nitpick. It, it gives us it gives us something to talk about here, and not that we need help talking about things. We can we can rabbit trail with the best of them and go down uh, different uh, different paths, and 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 who knows what is that at the end of the day what's going to come out of your mouth. You can you can guarantee a couple things. You can guarantee me talking about Syracuse, um, and uh, that's just one of the many things uh, here on the Colts Blue Zone podcast, obviously. But uh, but uh, but that that'll wrap us up. We're I'm we are very much out of time because we we talked about quite a bit this week so i appreciate you all listening and tuning in do encourage you to subscribe get this delivered to your podcast listening device as soon as we drop uh for matt adams at statomatty on twitter mike chapel at mchapel 51 you can read all his work online fox59.com cbs4indy.com as well as well i'm dave griffiths at dave g underscore sports we'll see you next week on the colts blue zone podcast